You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Because bitches love it when you call them beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello. Thanks for downloading the two. Sorry, excuses podcast recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good ready live. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode 138, the Bye Bye Roscoe edition. <laughs> bye bye Roscoe, Commander Roscoe, Commodore Roscoe, I guess it is. is that, what was it? Was it Commodore Birdie? What was it for Bye Bye Birdie? Uh, yeah, Commodore Birdie. Yeah. yeah, come yeah, to yeah. Roscoe. <laughs> we hardly knew you. We hardly knew you, sailor. Yeah. Well, that, that's not in the Great White North. That's not necessarily the truth. We got to know. We got to know different sides of of Roscoe. But I'll tell you what. There was a. Um, He's like the layer, the many layers of an onion. You just keep peeling them back and finding more. And each one makes you cry more than the last, man. <laughs> Cost you money. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Down in Curacao, there was a guy uh, they called Carini. And uh, it, it I've was, heard the name Carini before, yeah. It's called the classic Carini, and it's, it's banging your head against a rock over and over and over again because you don't know any better and you think that you're going to get a different result. And Roscoe puts Carini to shame. Yeah, I believe that's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. Yeah. The uh, (laughs) definition of Rosk-sanity is doing it over and over and over over again with a glass of wine in your hand. (laughs) It's definitely not as fun as Vinsanity or Linsanity. Oh, I should have went with Vinsanity. Damn it. (laughs) that? That was for Vince Carter, right? Yeah, let's redo that. Hold on, let's redo that. Seriously? We're doing live edits? What did I I just say? I said, uh, oh yeah, the difference between Carini, they call it Carine Carine Sanity? Pulling a Carini? Ross Vinsanity, hitting your head? (laughs) 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 Oh, Insanity, that's what it was. Okay, here it goes. All right, take two, ready? They, no, they, now you say. Now you say they call insanity doing the yeah, same thing. Yeah, I believe it. Insanity is defined as doing the same thing over and over again, and expecting a different result. Well, Vinsanity is doing it over and over again with a glass of wine in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut it, book it. You came up with that. Cut it, book it, mark it. It's good. <laughs> Next. <laughs> so yeah, I so we're losing. Carini should have been called careening because that that's oh, a good word for people. You're, like, you're like 15 years too late. You're on a roll. You're on a roll, Liv. You're on a roll. Uh, yeah, so we're we're transitioning out of the uh, out of the Roscoe era. He's headed back up to Syracuse, and that's it. That's it. That's the story. That's it. We move on. Stick into it. We move on. Um, other than that. Believe it or not, that is not the biggest pain in my ass right now. What is the biggest pain in your ass right now? A literal pain in my ass that is an inflamed prostate. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, do you go to the bathroom a lot? So I have the urge to go to the bathroom a lot. Now I've got I've had this twice before, um, and I, I I believe it's bacterial. There's a, there's a couple different kinds. Okay. Um, and it's really just a bacteria infection. And uh, I got on vacation one time. You know you're you're you're, you're swimming in swimming pools and. You know, you're not showering every day, so you yeah. know bacteria in in those kind of places runs rampant. So I got some bacteria, um, and took some antibiotics. Uh, antibiotics and it was fine. And then I got it one other time um, within the last three or four years, and didn't remember what the symptoms were. So I was constantly running to the bathroom, trying to go to the bathroom, and freaking out because I couldn't go to the bathroom. Yep. But this time I'm like, all right, I understand what goes on here and I remember. So, yeah, I feel like I have to go to the bathroom all the time, but I just don't go. I just, I just really? Don't. I like just you work. go, you stand over the toilet hoping to take a leak and it doesn't happen? Yeah, it doesn't happen. It dribbles out. Uh, I'm like, I'm like an old man. Does it happen in like in the middle of the night where you're waking up constantly? No, uh, it did. I've, I've, I, I have, uh, because he's the ho- I don't have, I've never had those issues. And I like to think that I'm good on the prostate side right now because I don't have those issues. Yeah. But those are all the things that I hear the signs of those issues. Yeah. Well, you know, those are definitely waking up to pee is supposed to be one of the big signs of having a enlarged prostate. Those are definitely the signs. Those are definitely the signs. And I've learned a lot about the prostate more than than I'd care to know. And it's it 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 make it makes total sense because of where that that it's a gland that's all it is so that's like it's just a big pussy sack of shit yeah gross not not literally shit but no it's it's down in that region but it's just a big it's just a big pussy sack of stuff and it's a gland and it gets full and you got to empty it but what happens is bacteria gets in there problem is it's positioned um take out your uh your gray's anatomy kids because we're gonna have a little, <laughs> little anatomy lesson here. It's positioned around the urethra, like it it, it 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 envelops it. So when it gets swollen, it pinches it, and it rises up into the bladder. It's like the biggest. It's torture because it's pressing on your bladder, but it's also constricting the release to the bladder. Right? Yeah. Sounds the, awful. The bladder. Yeah, I think it's the bladder. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It it really is. So like, I have this pain. Um. And uh, this time. Um, this time I'm, I'm hoping it's bacterial, but I did, I did strain my back, uh, recently doing some, some work that was a two man job that I was trying to do as a one man wrecking crew. And I did read that it was, um, what, trying to the, get all Roscoe's shit out of your house. <laughs> <laughs> one of the causes of, uh, boxes and boxes of Franzia, the, uh, one of the causes <laughs> Is, um, but they is were probably lifting. all empty. They couldn't have been too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, heavy lifting uh, is a is a cause is is a potential cause for for an enlarged prostate. Prostate, yeah, which makes sense if you're in that region, right? You can get a yeah. hernia. Yeah, like a hernia, yeah. And it's it sits kind of right between the the lower back and and your lower abdomen, um, so. To be honest, I hope it's not that. I hope it's bacterial, because then the antibiotics will just, you know. So wait. what was it when you had a bacterial issue? What was it? Like from being in a pool or something, you said? Yeah, sometimes, like, it just. What kind so, of bacteria causes that? Uh, is, it a bac- 
is the bacteria the bacteria is not causing a prostate problem. The bacteria is causing an issue with your urethra. Is that what's happening? No, no, no. The bacteria gets into into that area and then it inflames the. Oh, it inflames the prostate. Prostate and the prostate is okay. trying to fight off the bacteria in that I in that you. area. I don't know. Obviously, I know very little about that <laughs> part of the body. Um, I guess we could bring on the urologist I know and he could explain it more, but we don't need to go that crazy. Oh, well, that's funny because the, the doctor – I went to the walk-in clinic because um, I'm in between – I'm in between um, – primary care physicians, which I was going to regularly and had a good regimen. Um, then I switched insurances and the whole deal. And and that fucked everything up. Yeah, don't get me started on that. So I... Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> so I just... I've been going to this, you know, walk-in, dock-in-a-box kind of place for things that I need taken care of. And, I mean, I've been there like six times in the last, you know, eight months uh, between dog bites and ear infections and I have insurance, but no primary doctor, so I'd be in the same state as you are. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he wants me to go see a urologist, and I'm like, all right, just let me get. Th- can I get me through this? Because it's been two days of agonizing pain. It's like you don't uh, want to be living in friggin' waiting rooms and shit. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so I got that taken care of. I got some uh, cipro, ciprofloxacin, flocas, and cipro is what they call it. So. Um, it's, oh, it's, yeah, 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 I know Cipro, I've heard of it. It's the, uh, Diet Coke of, of prostate, uh, relief medicine, so. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see what I guess I, I must see with. commercials about it, because yeah. there's a commercial for every friggin' drug on the market, you know. Especially Maybe associated with certain side effects. Especially in that region, Right. It's a multi-billion-dollar industry. The men's, the man's nether region. Yeah. Yep. They do everything exactly. they can to keep that. And, thing it, and it goes to old people, and that's who they're advertising all that shit to. Yeah. You know why? Because those are people with disposable income, disposable time, and solid. And then large prostates. And large prostates <laughs> and solid health plans. Yep. It's always like I always hear the commercials on radio. If you're 50 or older, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> It's like, time. It's like I just sit there ruin the thought because you know it's gonna become one day. Oh yeah, man! You gotta start having the regular exam and whatnot. Absolutely. Well, I got to um, that and my uh, and my retirement plan. So my 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 health, my investment in health, and my investment in my retirement are not up to snuff. So I got to get to. Uh, I got to get on a quick path to to righteousness yeah. on those things. Yeah, trust me, I know all about that. So, um, but work, uh, you know, work wise, I'm, um, you know, every year's a little bit of a better year, so that puts me in a little bit of a different spot. So this is the year. 2017 is the year the Sandman gets off the mat. No pun intended. The summer of Sandman. The summer of Sandman. Although you know what, I, I've I've resigned myself to the fact that this summer is not going to be a uh, is not going to be a beach summer. Last <laughs> year was a was a full blown full on beach summer. On the on my days off, I would make it a point to hit the beach in the morning, and on the days that I worked, I would make it a point to hit the beach at night. Now I can still I can still do that. That's still practically possible. But I think I'm gonna 
I, I, I think I'm going to do some other stuff this summer. I'm going to try to take a road trip or two. I'm going to try to do a little more camping than beaching. I'm going to do, you know, yeah. get my garden squared away. Yeah, it's all stuff you can do up there, man. Um, But I want to hit the road. I haven't taken a vacation in forever. Yeah, I got to take a vacation, you know. I'm thinking about driving down to Memphis. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I've always wanted to go. Memphis, you might as well just keep driving New Orleans. It's only like five and a half hours away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping that you would say, oh, Memphis is only five and a half hours away. I'll meet you in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> well, my options are open now. Uh, I actually, for Memorial Day weekend, I actually drove to Columbus, Mississippi, which is where my buddy lives. Colin? Yeah, Colin. He's like the the mayor of Columbus. You know, he's not the mayor, but they want him to be the mayor. He might as well be the mayor of Columbus. But um, it's like four hours away, man, and it's it's a small town. It's near Starkville, where Mississippi State is, which is a okay. small town as well. But it was just like driving driving an hour is painful to me. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Driving four hours there, I would have got up earlier in the morning and driven there, but it was like the day before I was at a crawfish boil and stuff, and I was at my buddy's house, only to like midnight, but I'd been drinking beers the whole time, so I wasn't exactly dying to get in the car and drive up there the next day, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's a boring drive. It's way worse on the way there, you know, than the way back, because on the way back, at least you start seeing signs that you're almost home and you're near a big city they're just driving through down mississippi highways after oh yeah a certain point you know there's, there's probably no state anymore there's probably no big sign that says you know 60 miles to columbus mississippi well they do have that but it's like once you get to like meridian which is like maybe you get around there which is like two and a half three hours away then it's all highway you know which is just like maybe an hour hour and a half or something but it's boring you know okay and then and then the thing sucks about highway is that's where they set all the friggin actual speed traps so you gotta pay attention because the speed limit changes every like 20 miles you know? right <laughs> you know how they do that and then occasionally you gotta stop you know which sucks about highway and it's just boring because it's openness there's not much in mississippi you know so it's like i was like 20 minutes away and i start like I'm fucking listening. Pink Floyd's playing on the radio. And then I'm just like, mm, it was like that. It was almost like Homer. Uh, there was an episode of Simpsons where Homer falls asleep while driving. And, um, and you know, he's just taking out. He They're playing like the dream sequence, you know, like he's floating on his bed and stuff. But he wakes up and he's taking out friggin' fences and stuff. And I, it was like real quickly, uh, and I was like, oh, wake up. And, uh, you know, because now they get the roads ridged for that, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I was, like, oh, you... I, was like, I was like, oh, shit, I'm so close. I can't fall asleep now. <laughs> but it's such an awful drive, but I could do five hours. And, you know, depending on when you go, I definitely have time now. So... <laughs> Because I will not be at my job come July 1st, basically. Oh, that's it, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
What are you going to so. do? S- step out in the honor tradition of attorneys all over the world, uh, or all over the all over the country, and start your own restaurant? I uh, yeah yeah start a restaurant a bar <laughs> like all of them do yeah. <laughs> I was having that conversation actually when I was in Columbus. I was talking to some some guys up there about that. You know, I was like, oh yeah, all all attorneys are dreaming of. Like doing something else, they all want to be restaurants, restaurant bar owners, you know. Yeah. Because what attorneys really dream about is not being attorneys. Right. Yeah. I mean, and of course, that's what I'm dreaming about now. Um. And uh, in fact, I was talking to a friend of mine on G Chat today, who's an attorney, one of my buddies from law school, and we were chatting about that, about. And I was telling her, oh, yeah, well, I'm not going to be here. And she's like, oh, really? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, have you thought about what you're going to do? I was like, well, honestly, what I was first going to do, since July was my birthday month, I, I wanted to take some kind of mini trip somewhere, you know? But every time I took a trip before, it'd always be like four or five days max, you know? It'd be like Thursday to Tuesday or something. Right, right. Because you, you, you wouldn't get paid if you weren't there, right? Is that yeah, how it and just, yeah, I wouldn't get paid. And plus, like, you know. The job as a lawyer, you never really feel comfortable taking too much time off. Right, right. You know? And then the other issue is, straight up, it's a lot less noticeable to other people in the office, especially being in a small office, when you're out like a Thursday and Friday and a Monday and Tuesday, as opposed, you know, or Friday through Tuesday, as opposed to Monday through Friday. Right, right, right. <laughs> They, you know, they don't notice it so much. It's just a couple of days of a week as opposed to a straight week. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that always definitely worked in my favor too. Plus, but it's also like, you know, it's just, you know, it was just better way. Also it, taking those trips that way also allowed me to uh, take advantage of the full weekend because the other problem with taking a trip like that was like, you know, if you got to come back on a Sunday or something, it kind of sucks because it kind of, you know, the weekend's the best time to be somewhere, you know? Yeah. So yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. Totally. So, but I'm like, well, now it's like, I can actually do something. I'm not going to do anything glamorous, but I got to start getting a resume together. And that's obviously something I haven't done in over six years because I've been there for over six years. So my resume is going to look a hell of a lot different than when it looked as uh friggin' on a, inexperienced attorney looking for an entry-level job, you know? Like, it's not like you're going to be focusing on what computer skills you're proficient on and stuff, you know? <laughs> right, right. And how you did in torts or whatever, you know? Right. But the other thing is, she's like, well, now you can think out of the box. I was like, yeah. You know, it's like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. But it's like, but I was looking at job listings wherever yesterday. I'm like, Oh, it's just, you know, looking for legal job lessons. I was like, all of it sounds terrible. I was like, yeah, it'd be great to look out of the box. But the problem is, can I afford to be out of the box? You know? Because like, yeah, because it's like I still got to pay about $1,000 a month to live in my house. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day, you got responsibility. Yeah, that's the problem. It'd be great to chase my dream or something. Oh, because I was looking at jobs like. You know, at the lo- at the two local colleges right near me, Loyola and Tulane, and 
Tulane like had a job like looking for like uh, somebody involved with to do marketing stuff in there. Uh, athletic department is like, well, that's a young person's job and it probably pays like 25 grand a year. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> like, about it, how much it pays. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I probably can't afford to, to do that job, which is why it's a young person's job. Yeah. You know, but it would get me into doing something. It's like, yeah, I probably couldn't afford that. So, uh, and I'm not about to start taking in, in my house, I'm not going to take in a roommate. I don't have like a, <laughs> two and a half story house like you where it's like you could have a roommate you might not even you don't even have to see the guy you know well um roscoe was looking for a, to 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 reset hit the reset button and start over maybe maybe you can talk him into yeah. going down there yeah if he freaking if he washed out in freaking asbury park his chances in new orleans are terrible <laughs> you know i mean where places are not required by law to shut down if they don't want to yeah right right <laughs> <laughs> of course if he, if he paid the rent and took up residence in a bar it might not be the worst thing in the world <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you that uh without getting uh without getting into into somebody else's dirty laundry too too deeply it wasn't the social life of of Asbury Park that did him in. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't taking in the, uh, you know, the sights and sounds of Cookman Ave that, that ultimately did in our, our old pal Roscoe. Uh, they were internal. Yeah. Chasing internal demons, not the, uh, not the external one. So, um, I, I kind of wish it was cause then I could have had a little fun along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it wouldn't even have to be social. It's just that it facilitates it, you know? Yeah. 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 True. It facilitates the personal demons, which kind of, you know, I mean, this isn't a good save for not for a person with those issues, though. Yes, you're absolutely right. But um, not that stops them from coming here, (laughs) (laughs) because I mean, you'll meet alcoholics that live here that are from all over the country. Yeah, well, that's why they came here, you know, stuff like that, which is kind of crazy. But um, but I don't know. I mean. As far as now, right now, the only things I have planned in July, July 8th, going to go see Roger Waters with my brother. You know, the Us and Them tour thing, which is at the arena here. Oh, yeah. And July 14th, that's when the new Planet of the Apes movie comes out. My birthday's on the 17th, so I got the month open. Thing is, I got enough savings to live on, you know? Yeah. But... Just for a little bit. Like, I don't want to do it. I mean, I got enough to live on for a few months, but I don't want to do that for too long, you know? Right. Because I don't want to dip too far in because it's not meant to be like, it's not, oh, I'm supposed to live off this money for six months. It's not that money. It's money that's supposed to be banked. Yes, it's right. You know? Exactly. Totally. You know, so um, I just need faith. This is literally less than a week that it's been broken you know so it's kind of like i gotta you know so i just haven't really collected myself all about it yet in terms of what i'm gonna do because i gotta sit down and and i'm trying to wrap up you know any of the i got like about 10 outstanding cases at the office right now that i kind of need to friggin' start wrapping up and figuring out what i'm gonna do and you know get them as far as i can before i leave there the good thing is some of the stuff that I've been dying to get out of anyway, and now I'm able just to fucking walk away. Like a couple of shitty cases that one of the dudes gave me that I'm now 
I'm able to be like, well, this is back on you. Like today, we had a status conference to set dates on this shitty workers' comp case. And um, and, uh, and I got in touch with his assistant, you know, who I sort of share. And I was like, well, now this is going to be his case. You know, so was, <laughs> what are his dates? I'll still do the conference, you know. Right. And it felt really good because I was kind of peed off when he gave it to me. Anyway, it's like he's just – you're going to take shitty cases into the office and then pawn them off of me because you know they're shitty. Just don't even take them, you know? Right. So whatever, man. So I'm happy about that. I just haven't had a whole lot of time to think about everything because, you know, the receptionist in the office, her wedding was Saturday. So I was kind of focusing on boozing and hanging out that night and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we're, I just need to... Uh, as he buckled down, also, I need to look over everything in the office and make sure any stuff that I've drafted that I can use in private practice, I can get the frig out of there, you know, because you never know what you're going to need. Yeah. You know, it's like gold having having uh, certain pleadings, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, that's what I always talk about. Like, I tell Jacob about that type of stuff, you know, like how... I don't think anybody has ever, um, you know, like who create the alpha document for anything. You know, it's like somebody create this first like motion for summary judgment or uh, discovery, drafted discovery. And everybody's just been passing it around and building on it since. Nobody ever sits down with anything like that. You know, it's like uh, petitions for damages. You know, no one ever writes anything brand new. You know, it's like <laughs> when I left uh, my internship while I was in law school, I had an internship with a with a major sports agency, uh, and I left with with uh, proposals that I worked on and um, and contracts that I had helped draft, and those were the boilerplates for everything I had done until I left for Curacao. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's what I do because there's a lot of stuff that I've done like where I literally had to draft it because we didn't have it on. There is some stuff that I did. I mean, looking from other stuff and figuring out stuff that I because that's another thing. Since I was younger and newer to law, they would give me stuff that they normally wouldn't take in. So there's stuff that I that I added to, you know, the repertoire, the arsenal of that firm that that they didn't have before. Right. So I definitely got to get all that type of stuff, you know. And what are you entitled to? Anything that you that you created? Oh, I mean, I don't know. We never really talk about. It. They don't care. In you general, in, in general, what's what, like what's etiquette? Uh, I mean, I figure anything I create or anything I worked on. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's what was yours? I look at it. Yeah. I mean, I look at anything that I that I drafted. To be honest with you, it's like that's the only stuff I really want. The stuff I drafted, and if it's Stuff that I didn't draft and and I and I don't have it. I'll just ask Jacob later on if I need it. He'd share it with me. I mean, he doesn't work there anymore, you know. But the other guys there, you know, I mean, like I had to write shitloads of stuff for the big boss for like briefs and stuff that, you know, because he just doesn't write briefs. He's been a lawyer for forty something years, and then <laughs> right hell, when he started being a lawyer, that's not how they practiced. There was no like when we were in law school. They had to do like legal research and writing and all that shit. But they used to not have to do that stuff because it was 
that's all based on a change in the law when they started uh, focusing on briefing stuff, you know? Like, if you went into a court in the 70s, you argued, like, like a basic civil court, too, you know, like a basic state civil court where you're suing a car accident. It was like a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You literally just got up, you filed the petition, they answered, you went, you argued, and that was basically it. They didn't have all the complex discovery rules and all these friggin' other uh, apparatus that they have nowadays, you know? Because part of the intent was to reform that shit, you know? Right. So uh, so he just doesn't do this anyway. And then the other guy, Jared, I wouldn't trust the shit he does, you know? Because <laughs> uh, he just doesn't get, I mean, because he's copying his shit. He just doesn't give a fuck anyway, you know? Right, right. So, and I can't stand typos and stuff, so... That bothers me. I mean, I've borrowed some of his stuff sometimes, but I always got to <laughs> change it up, you know? Yeah, bless you. Yeah, thank you. So what's your uh, what's your inclination? Your inclination isn't that you hated working for somebody. It's that you, you've soured on the law. Yeah, well, I mean, I never – I mean, like you. Well, I mean, it's not like I was dying to be a lawyer when I was in law school. Right. Like, you weren't dying to be a lawyer. You want to be an agent. Yeah. My right. problem is, which is even worse, is I wasn't exactly sure when to be. But the problem was, I was six years out of undergrad with doing nothing with an undergrad degree, which kind of puts you in a real bind because then your undergrad degree is worthless, especially when poli sci with a minor in economics. Right. Yeah. After a while, you haven't put it to practice, so it's... Yeah, it's like, what are you going to do, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of the issue there. It's like, well, and then, you know, I mean, I'll sit there and it's like, man, I never should have done that, but what you can't do? Just move on and eat the fact that I have friggin' $8 million in loans. You yeah, know? yeah, listen, that's what, really, uh, that's what I've learned is that's the secret in life is just eating it. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know what? Somebody's got to eat it. And if it's yours, yep. you might as well resign yourself yeah. to the fact that that's the deal. Um, so that's it. Then you just, you, you hit the reset button and you start over. Yeah. I know. So it's, I mean, the fear is I turned 41 in a few weeks and one of the big fears is the whole thing about, like, you know, nobody's dying to just hire 40, 41-year-old dudes, you know? Yeah. Because it's one of those things because you're kind of, like, set in ways, you know? Like, you're not young and impressionable anymore, you know? So there's definitely concerns there. I just got to – Jacob's more reassuring about it than I am. You know, he's like, you go – you know, because he's talking about law jobs. So he's like, you go to a – defense firm they just want a body because i have realized most of it's just bullshit i mean it really is you know yeah like it's even like you go to a defense firm it's all canned bullshit you know yeah like i've been in many a depots with the def where the defense attorneys you know notices the depot and it's like i'm sure these are the same standard questions he asks for every car accident case you know yep so uh, you know, I mean, maybe occasionally you might have to go argue something. Occasionally I have to go argue shit in court, and I'm not good at it, but it's never 
Only one time was it an actual trial, and that sucked because it was my first one. I really didn't know what was going on. The other problem was it wasn't a case I was intimately involved with. It was a case that was just fucking thrown on me, right. which really made it a lot worse, you know? Because, like, when you're not invested in terms of, like, you know exactly where all the bullshit is, and the other part is, you know, it's hard not to be jaded when you're dealing with some of these clients, too, you know? You're trying to... Trying to sit there and you're supposed to argue zealously for him, but sometimes it's really hard to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you feel like the shit's being foisted on you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so that was a shitty experience there. But, I mean, I have better stuff I can put on there. I've never listened to the recordings of me in a Fifth Circuit, but I guess they allow you to. And the reason I don't listen to is because I knew I was terrible and stammering and nervous. Yeah, yeah. But at least I can say I argued in front of the Fifth Circuit. I'm admitted, you know. And that's most people haven't argued in front of a U.S. Circuit Court. No, you know? I don't know. Didn't you win? Yeah, but I knew I was going to win. <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, I was. It was me and a. Uh, a per a solicitor from the uh, Department of Labor versus the other side. Okay. But the uh, but the thing too is we had Supreme Court precedent on our side. It's like Fifth Circuit can't overturn that shit. You know. Right. Right. It was more like they were just kind of curious about it because you know because it's such a conservative district because it's Texas, Louisiana. You know. Yeah. I mean. In particular, Texas, because, you know, it's all proportional. So most of the judges from Texas, Louisiana is very conservative. I think Mississippi is the other state in. Maybe Arkansas, too. I'm not sure. But whatever it is, it's all conservative. It's very, even a lot of the Democratic appointments are kind of conservative, you know? I mean, they're not like, it's it's hard. You're hard-pressed to find, like, a straight-up liberal because, you know, because that's kind of one of those things, too, where there's deference given to the congressional delegation of who you're appointing these seats to and they open up, you know? Right. And don't, so, they, don't they have to be from that area? Yeah, they got to be from the area. Yeah. So even a even a Democrat is is yeah. more moderate than like, liberal in that area. Yeah. Like one of the guys. Well, I mean, it would just, I mean, there are liberal Democrats, trust me. See, New Orleans is very liberal, you know, like, but it's an urban center, you know, but it's going to be hard to like, you know, those people aren't always easy to pass through Congress if it's split, you know, I mean, it'd be more inclined if you had a Democrat president, Democrat Congress or something, you know, uh, but when Obama was president, he appointed a guy and it was a guy that taught us you know at Loyola and he's he's brilliant he was um he's from up in Massachusetts originally he played I think he played soccer at Harvard and he went to Yale Law School and he uh after law school he was Wizard White's clerk with the Supreme Court okay you know and we always kind of felt like he was too good for us to be teachers at Loyola anyway but he loved teaching you know, and he was the uh, chief of appeals for the U.S. attorney down here, you know. Like, he had a pretty big job, but he's he's a brilliant legal mind, so he was appointed. And I don't know what his political affiliation is, you know. No one knows. Like, he's one of those guys, 
He's like your ideal type of judge. He was appointed by Obama, but no one's really certain what his political affiliation is. Right. You know, because he had everyone down there, Republican, everyone in the Louisiana delegation, Republican or Democrat, friggin' voted for him. You know, that's, you know, that's how friggin' fair he was considered, you know, how good of a legal mind. Like, it was right down the, the middle, you know, and I know he's ruled both ways. You know, so it's so I don't know. I remember the way he ended up in New Orleans is because his wife was from New Orleans and she was up there, I think, for architecture. And he he basically came here for her, you know, so we ended up with a professor that we probably that Loyola probably never could have ended up with regularly, you know, right? (laughs) if not for the fact that he had another job. And was down and, you know, because at Tulane, he'd probably, a guy like him probably be expected to be full-time or something, you know, because Tulane's like one of the, you know, it's like a top-tier law school. <laughs> With a great gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no sauna or steam room, at least for the men. Blows me away. That's- yeah, because... One of the only Last reasons person, that I, I went there and I walked in there. Sorry, let me. Yeah, uh, I didn't see one. I ran into a kid the first day I was in there. A guy from law school who who goes to the Loyola gym too, and he's like, "Yeah, do you know if they have a sauna or steam room?" I was like, "I was like, I think they would. Just put they got air hockey tables and ping pong tables and foosball. They got everything in the world." And then on the way out on Thursday when I was in there. I asked to go to the front desk. I'm like, they have a, I was like, do y'all have a sauna steam room? And they're like, no. I was like, oh, that's the one thing Loyola has on you. I'm, <laughs> even if I could all of a sudden afford the membership there, you know, I'm not because I'll pay $30 a month for the friggin' sauna and steam room alone at Loyola. Right. You know, and then a, the girl I went to the wedding with over the weekend, she went to Tulane. She's like, and I was telling her that they don't have one. She's like, they got one. In the in the ladies' room, I was like, ladies' locker room. I was like, oh, well, maybe in the ladies' locker room, but they definitely don't have one for men, you know. But I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, that'd be the only reason that I would uh, that I'd join a fancy gym, uh, you know, a gym that you pay more than ten bucks a month at, uh, is yeah. if they had a steam room. I because I went to um, I went to the YMCA in uh, in Red Bank. Um, I- because I started swimming it was a bunch of years ago. And I used it kind of like, uh, you know, like a therapy. And I yeah. would swim and it would, you know, it would clear my head. And it was great exercise. And I loved it. And I could do it for hours. I could just swim in a pool, like, all day. Um, and then I'd get done. And on the weekends, I'd go sit in the steam room. And it was totally yeah. worth it. It was way more expensive than any other gym. It was like 85 bucks a month or something. But... Um, you know, for the limited time that I did that, it was, it was totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the two lane gym is fancy. They have an indoor pool for like swimming, you know, the same pool that like, I think the swim team uses for like actual competition, you know, but it's just, you know, other than that, you can go swim laptop. They have an outdoor pool for fucking around in, you know, like that's how fancy it is. Yeah. You know, how many college gymnasiums have a pool for fucking around in? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like they have kids' parties and shit going on there all the time. Because it's, you know, 
because it's because it's a it's a pool. It's a it's an outdoor. You know, it's right out there. It's got a deck, and you can hang out on it and shit. You know, but that's why it blows me away. It's like they have everything. Like the weight room, it's not. Like, you go into the weight room, it's not all clogged and cluttered, and there's plenty of space for people and lots of equipment, whereas the one Loyola is kind of like, you know, the rooms are smaller, and there's only, like, two benches, and everything's kind of close together, you know? It's, but it's like, but they don't have that. I was like, and that's all I need to know why I would, why I will stay at Loyola, because the, because the other thing is, you know, Maybe it'll be different during the school year, but when I was in there, when I went and used the sun and steam room, no one's coming in there either because it's not the most popular thing in the world. They're not huge saunas or steam rooms. They're they're almost like ones you would get for your house if you were some guy that had like a big outdoor pool area. Sure. You know? Right, right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's not like the same. Like I remember being like in friggin' the the bath in Hungary. You know, the bathhouse there which is a big thing, got in a steam room, and it was like a huge steam room, you know? Like, it's... The steam room's like the size of, like, a walk-in closet, and and the sauna's like the size of a smaller walk-in closet. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) So so it's like... uh, And plus the fact that it's in the locker room, so you know you're not going to have to compete with people using it. And by people, I mean, like, people who are more likely to use it, like women or something, you know? So it's just going to be, you know, you in there, you know, as opposed to a communal friggin' thing. Like, if it was out in the open, you know, kids would probably be fucking around in there and stuff, you know? You know how that shit goes. <laughs> uh, it was funny. I was in uh, in the city for um, for some work, and then we had some time to kill before the meeting that we had with those same exact people was weird, a weird setup. And, uh, so I was with my partner and he was like, what are we going to do? I said, uh, let's go get massages. And he (laughs) said, Turkish bathhouse. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Is that a real thing? I don't even know if they have them in New York city anymore, but I Googled it and all that comes up is one, Russia's Russian and Turkish bath. It is located in. Uh, That's what's got to be keeping them alive for this. The now is the Russian immigrants. All right, because this looks. Where's it, it at? It's on the east, lower east side of Manhattan, which is. Because uh, I mean, I know it used to be a thing. Like like a hundred years ago, there were bathhouses everywhere in New York because it was a big immigrant type of thing, you know. Yeah. But Russians, I know, are into them, and that's got to be the one thing keeping them alive. It's down in the Lower East Side, which at this point, uh, Alpha, Alphabet City, which is a, um, you know, it's kind of a gentrified area, and it's in it's in the middle of the city. They got a couple saunas, a couple steam rooms. A couple... Have you ever watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Uh huh. Yes. Well, they got the the new one came out a couple weeks ago, but like on that show. That's how I feel like, to me, that's my image in New York. Like, they're trying to hold on to it, but it's like everything gets gen. Everything in New York is basically, if it hasn't been gentrified, everything in Manhattan proper, you know? Yes, yeah, if yeah. If it hasn't yeah. been oh. gentrified, it's being gentrified next week. Like, I don't yeah, know. Absolutely. Like, like, no normal people left in that city as far as I know. Yeah. You know? No, no, no. There's no, no, no old neighborhoods and 
anybody who's yeah. still a holdover from you know the old neighborhoods is just hanging on by a thread. Yeah, well, that's like uh, my mom, a guy who works with her. You know, he's an Italian guy, and his family. You know, like a hundred years ago, the French Quarter was a slum basically. It used to all be it was blacks and Italians. Okay. You know, because it was a slum. No one wanted to live there. It was old at that point. You know, it, I mean, it was like like the North End in Boston, like Little Italy and friggin' New York. It was these leftover neighborhoods that the immigrants moved into. You okay. know, once the people that originally built them had moved up and didn't want to live there anymore, which is what. You know, which is what immigrant neighborhoods usually are, you know? Yeah. So, like, the French Quarter was the first place people lived, you know? And eventually it was just, oh, that's just a slum. So that's where the blacks who were poor and uh, Italian immigrants who were new and had no money, that's where they were all living. So, But this guy, his family, they owned a house on Bourbon Street, and the brother still lives in it. Even it's all a family house, but now they're going to sell it. And it's like, they're going to cash the fuck in because it doesn't even matter what the shape of it in it, it is. It's a, it's at the end of Bourbon Street towards the residential end, but it's going to get at least a million dollars just because of its fucking location, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, but, that, but that's that. like when I was in Boston, those were the. That's what was happening in the North End. I remember when I was in Boston. It was like all those old people were getting pushed out for all the yuppies who loved the old buildings, you know? Yep. yep. Like everywhere else in New York City, which sounds like, you know? It's like the way places it goes. with shitty sounding names like the Meatpacking District, you know? Right, right. <laughs> which even in the 90s was like you'd watch and it was. Used in the descriptor as a shitty part of town, and now I know that's even kind of like you know you're just not moving into those places anymore. <laughs> it's all trendy bullshit everywhere, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm looking at this Russian and Turkish bath. It's it's amazing. So you, it's in a building in New York City. Um, it's got a rooftop. It's got like a rooftop deck that you can sun on. Then it's got one sauna. It's a typical sauna. Yep. It's got a Russian sauna, which is an authentic Russian room. Uh, it has uh, an oven with two thousand with 20,000 pounds of rock, which is cooked overnight. During the day, these rocks give off intense heat. Uh, it's one of the few rooms of its kind. Ro- uh, huge rock-walled furnace. Um, extreme radiant heat. Then there's an aromatherapy room, which is like a, just a regular steam room, but they they put oils, uh, you know, scents in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the ice-cold pool, which is 46 degrees, which I think would be awesome to swim in after you've been in a 20,000 pound heated sauna but the way it works is you just buy a day pass i guess you can buy a year pass but it's um it's one admission is 40 45 dollars and then you get discounts for for buying admissions uh in bulk but here's how it works the bath is owned and operated separately by boris and david 
You may only use admission tickets and gift cards with the manager you purchase the card from, i.e., a Boris Pass can only be used during days that Boris works, and a David Pass can only be used during David shifts. So Boris that doesn't must, sound sketchy. Boris must be must run the Russian baths, and David must run the yeah. Turkish baths, and they've they they've got their own clientele, and none the two shall mix. Yep. Well, you know, Bette Midler got her start in the gay bathhouses of New York. You know uh, about that? Doing what? Like that's how she, you know they used to be the gay. Like the common things with the gay bathhouses, like in the seventies, and she would go and perform in these places. I mean, you know, gay people love her. Oh, know? she would perform. Oh, okay, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 and that was like, I mean, if you just do Bette Miller bathhouse, you'll find a bunch of YouTube videos and stuff of her performing. But that's what, that's what launched her career, basically. You know, it was all that, and you know, it's funny. I was over at my friends Chris and Ryan's. House Sunday night while the Tonys were on. I went over there to eat because they were grilling. And um, and Ryan, he's the urologist, Chris's boyfriend. He was really psyched when Bette Midler was coming on. <laughs> <laughs> he loves Bette Midler. You know? And then they were telling a funny story. A couple of years ago, she came and did a concert at the arena here. And he was... He was supposed to be like planning. They had this event going on, you know. I think it. I think it must have been a a urologist association event, like a national event. He was supposed to be the, um, you know, planning it with, uh, like actually, you know, being in charge of the event. But it happened the same happened to be coinciding with the Bette Midler show. It was all gone downtown. And he left Chris there, like at the event, to cover for him basically and run interference while he left to go watch an hour of the Bette Midler concert at the arena. <laughs> you know? And then he's such a drunk, apparently, that his boss, you know, like the head doctor guy who's his boss, came asking where he was. And Chris is like, oh, he's in the bathroom. I think he's passed out or something. The guy's like, oh, that's Ryan. Ah. <laughs> that's more that's more desirable than I, I ran off to go watch Bette Midler. I'm passed out in yes. the bathroom. <laughs> he said that he didn't skip because he had because he had an obligation to be at the event, you know? Right, right. <laughs> So as long as it was acknowledged that he was somewhere in the building, the facility. <laughs> right. That's great. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, so y'all, that's how they worked in Hungary. You go pay for like a day pass. Okay. But what, do they have like the mineral baths and stuff? No, they've got a couple of treatments. Everything. They've got, um, they've got massage. They've got an oak leaf okay. treatment where they, where you lay down, and they beat you with a broom made of fresh oak leaves. Okay. And uh, it'll open your pores, remove toxins, and take off layers of dead skin. Uh, some described it's called the plaza, P L A T Z A, uh, where they beat you with the oak leaves, and it uh, it's called the Jewish acupuncture. Okay. And then they've got uh, a Dead Sea Salt scrub and mud treatment. Where they, I guess. They yeah, I had you. the, I had the, um, see when, 
See, we were in Budapest for like two weeks, but you know, yeah, I probably went to the bathhouse like three, three times or something because it's one of those things. Because you're actually taking classes and you run out of stuff to do in the city, you yeah. know, other than getting hammered when you're in a, when you're in the same city for a couple of weeks. So, uh, we went there a few times because you get out of class in the morning. It's like, well, what the hell are we gonna do? It's like go there. And it was like reasonable to get in, and you could hang out by the pool. And then they had the um, they had inside. And it was cool. It was the place was hundreds of years old, you know. Yep. And I think the way it ended up like that, I think it probably had to do with, you know, I mean, it's all the history of Western civilization. Why they have bathhouses in Budapest, you know, the other culture that came through who left, you know, and the remnant is the bathhouse, you know. And um, inside they had this huge like mineral bath. You know, which was kind of cool because you just hang out and then you, afterwards you get out and you can feel like how your skin softened up from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, they, it, but then you go in the steam room and then right outside the steam room, they have the super cold baths, you know? And the thing you do is you go in there in the sauna or steam room or whatever. And then you go and you jump right into that water, which is just above freezing, man. You know, like yeah, it's, yeah, and it's like a sh- I know that's what they do like in Finland and Scandinavian countries, you know, but it's kind of friggin' intense, and it's like a shock to your system. But I remember, um, I remember when they um, we went down there, and like me and one of the girls were like, "Well, let's go do the mud treatment." Sure, I'm curious what this is about because I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know it was gonna be as simple as it was. But you go to the basement, you know, and you're each in a room, and they got this huge Hungarian guy, you know? Like, like I'm a big dude. This dude had to be like 6'4", 260 pounds. He was, a, he was just a beast, you know? He's like something you see out of a movie. He had a big mustache and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and he comes in, and he pulls the... And you, and you don't understand anything he says because you're run-of-the-mill Hungarian doesn't really speak English. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's not as wealthy of a country as the other ones. And he just takes his bucket and just starts friggin' throwing the mud on you. And it's like, and then he comes in there a while, a while later and takes the mud off, you know, and he's like, yeah, beef. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go wash yourself under the shower or whatever. It was a very weird experience, you know? And uh, I was like, talking about with people later i was like yeah i got a happy ending though i wasn't raped <laughs> <laughs> which is the happiest ending as far as i could be as uh, as far as i was concerned when you're in the basement in a small windowless room with a huge hungarian dude <laughs> and all you're wearing is like a pair of swim trunks <laughs> right right <laughs> that's great uh those were good times, man. The Turkish baths. Turkish, I'll tell you what. Yeah, man. well, that's a thing. Like, that's something we used to hear about when we were little Turkish baths. And I remember my dad, when he was in the Navy, he went to Turkey. I remember we used to always ask, oh, did you go to Turkish baths? Because it's like one of those things you hear about. I don't even know how we heard about it. But it's just like in the, you know, it's kind of like a thing that has lore to it. You hear about Turkish bathhouses. Heard about that way before I ever heard about bathhouses, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason. Um, 
So, so y'all, so y'all, did you hang out with the people you ever the meeting with at the bathhouse? No, 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 I never went, but I would because uh, now that I'm looking at it, and I've got a little more confidence because that's the thing. You can't just that's not something you can do on a spur of the moment, right? You got to be prepared and know what you're doing. So, I like to go and have like uh, sit in the coffee shop, you know, and just and just relax and and like. Really take advantage of doing nothing. If I can spend an hour doing nothing, that's more valuable to me than anything else because I do it so infrequently. Yeah, yeah. So if I lived in the time of the Turkish bathhouse, I would, uh, I think I'd be a much happier man. You know? Yeah. I was built for that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a couple places, um, it's a place in Jersey, but it looks way too hipstery for me. That's the problem. They take stuff and ruin it. Yeah, it's called a place called the Bear. Like they Birch. did the bacon. Like when all the shit was going on with bacon, I was like, yeah. "When did hipsters take bacon from me?" <laughs> uh, the Bear. What's it Birch. called? The Bear. The Bear and Birch, which is not far. In it's in Church. it's in uh, Freehold. It's only about twenty minutes away from me. It is. It's a Russian banya and spa. So it's a Russian bath and spa. And it's... The problem is all the pictures look like it's this big communal thing. Like, Mm. you're walking around and there's a bunch of other people there. Not just, like, sitting in a room. I understand that I can't go into a steam room by myself, you know, in a big commercial place. But these, like... These people are sitting around like a bar in their in their skivvies yeah do they look like hipsters yeah yeah I mean because honestly I do think that's what the scene was like there years ago like in the original bathhouses they were social meeting places so the hipster thing would be like let's make it like that yeah 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 all right I mean, I guess. Because they always, because hipsters are always dying to be authentic, are they not? Yes. That's their goal with everything, authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like, there's a bunch of lounge areas and, you know, you go into the, into the pool and then you come out and then you can hang out with a bunch of people sitting around in like this patio area. Yeah. I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Although yeah, I mean, that's why you just got to find a gym with a sauna and a steam room that no one uses. It's only 25 bucks to get in on a weekday. Oh, there you go. I mean, it'd be worth it just to go down there friggin' enjoy the day or something. Yeah. Although, I've made... I've, I've kind of... I've, I've kind of transitioned from being like, uh, you know, a beach a beach guy this year to a travel guy this year, partly because I want to do something else. The other part is I am nowhere ready to unveil a beach, to unveil this body on the beach. <laughs> you don't have your beach bod. I don't have my beach bod, so I don't know if I want to spend $25 to to go walk around in my bathing suit in yeah, freehold yeah. with a bunch of strangers. I don't know if I'll ever have a beach bod. It's just... When I got to point about 11 years ago or so was the I don't care part. 
you know, because I used to not even like taking my shirt off when I was younger. And then you reach a point where it's like, I don't give a fuck. This is me. Yeah. And like the last few years have been that. And Asbury's great because it has such a high uh, percentage of gay men who are the most comfortable, shameless uh, purveyors of, of the beach facilities. Like, nobody's more yeah. comfortable walking around Asbury Beaches than gay dudes. Yeah. You know? Like, they're just no shame. God bless them. So I always took solace in the fact that that it's a very forgiving and non-judgmental area, the beach of Asbury Park, which has always been the cool. The beach of Asbury Park. But um, <laughs> um, even that escapes me at this point. That, that's beyond me. So I'm, I'm going to make it a little travel uh, travel summer. But uh, who knows? Let me uh, let me look into this. Maybe I'll, I'll check it out. Because one of the... Um, one of the things that does a inflamed prostate good is some heat and uh, uh, heat and cold therapy, hot and cold therapy. Well, there you go, man. You got your plan. That's it. <laughs> so, so you went to Memphis. What, what else would you do? I mean, because you wouldn't just drive to Memphis. You'd have to stop somewhere, right? Um, yeah, I was looking at a map. Let's see what... Uh, what the best thing to do here? I would probably go to DC. Physically. Because of why? Because of your sister? Uh, Julian. Is she yeah. in the DC area? Yeah, yeah. She's Sorry, in DC. wrong name. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd go down to DC and visit my sister. And then it looks like. It looks like the. The quickest path is to go down through like Knoxville, Nashville. Yeah, I've never been to Nashville. Go to Nashville, man. On your way to Memphis, yeah. Go to Grand Old Opry. I've heard Nashville's fun. I've heard Memphis is is more uh, my kind of town from people who uh, like the same music that I like, eat the same food that I eat. Nashville's a more uh, is a more like Disney-fied Disney-fied Right, is that how you say something that's been like... Yeah, Disney-fied, yeah, I get Disney, you. Disney-fied experience, because it's all about, you know... Nashville's more hip. Nashville's more... Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's a hot city right now. You know? Yeah. So then maybe I'd do that, and then... Uh, and then, like, drive back up through... I don't know. I mean, I don't want to drive to West Virginia... What the hell's in West Virginia? Friggin' mountains. Yeah, just mountains, right? Country roads, unless you're planning on camping out there. I guess I could do that. I guess I could do a week. A of course, week. you're gonna when, when you come back. The last thing you don't have to do is stop and camp. You're way to your point where it's like, fuck, I just want to get home. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, you know what? See, now I'm taking it. Now I'm going way, way out of the way. So Memphis, St. Louis is the next biggest city that would yeah, be on the way back. that's kind of a hike from Memphis. Yeah. It's totally a hike. I mean, it takes you the other way, too. I mean, like, as opposed to jaunting back towards the northeast, you're kind of just gone directly up. Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. So I would save that. So I would do Memphis. But I know, like, that's like 10 hours away from New Orleans. You know, so that's still a hefty drive for Memphis. Yeah. So it's probably like 
four to five hours away from Memphis. Yeah, so I guess that's what I'd do. I'd go up 64, which is uh, which would bring me through West Virginia. I'd Dan, maybe Daniel Boone National Forest. There you go. Um, what else would I hit here? Uh, I guess... Uh, yeah, Morgantown. Yeah, there's really... Boy, that, that part of the country is really just kind of nothing going on. No, no, I mean, because then you're back in Pennsylvania. You're at Harrisburg before you know it. And you could probably do some math. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure see, there's a lot of that going on. A lot of those freaking poor, fucking yeah. ghost coal towns and whatnot. See, that's a the problem is that everything, all the cool stuff. So you can hit the. Uh, the George Washington and Jefferson National Forest, the the Chattahoochee National Forest, Daniel Boone National Forest. That's all if you take eighty one. That's out and back, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So maybe I do that. Maybe I go out one way with you know maybe some camping, and then get to get to Memphis eventually, and then you go back. You go back the same way, but you do different stuff. Sounds like a plan. I think because I'm up for a good two week sojourn. Just get yeah. out. Yeah. You know, kind of turn the phone off and, and get away from shit. I know you get some good ribs in Memphis. That is why I originally wanted to go to Memphis. Yeah. Because um, Memphis barbecue is is my favorite kind of barbecue. Yep. Yeah, I got some good rib joints up there. I know how much. I haven't actually been to Memphis since I was there. What was that? 1998. Okay. Were you driving up to school? up to school? No. When Tulane went undefeated and I came over at Christmas break and my brother, actually my sister came with us too for some reason. We drove up there to watch Tulane play in the Liberty Bowl when they beat BYU to go 12-0 that year. Ah, all right. Yeah, that was very fun. Great like Sean King as as quarterback, it, but friggin' Tommy Bowden didn't coach them in the uh, in the bowl game though. Ah, uh, he'd gone to Auburn. Auburn. Tommy Bowden. Clemson, Terry Bowden was his brother at Auburn. Tommy was the coach at Clemson before Dabo. Oh yes, 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 yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. He learned. Right. He he did like every good coach that goes to Tulane does leave at the first sign of success. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Mac Brown was six and five and he was out of the door to North Carolina, you know, which is where he was before Texas. Right, All right. You know. All right. Hey, it's reasonable to stay uh, in Memphis. Hotel rooms only like one hundred thirty bucks at at like. Double tree. That's that's really reasonable. Got to go check out the Peabody Hotel, the Peabody Hotel. If you're in Memphis, though, that's what they're famous for. I've never been there. That's the one where they got the ducks that walk. It's a big thing. The Peabody oh, Hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I mean, you don't have to stay there. You just you just need to go check it out. Oh, I definitely heard of that. I've definitely heard about uh, 
I've heard about yeah. that. There's even an episode of Coach when they go to like a football coaches convention in Memphis and they're at the Peabody with the Ducks. I remember that. I wonder if I could find that online. I'm sure I could. So but, let's see. Airbnb. See, I haven't got there yet. Shared room now. I want a private That's room. That's the problem, the shared room thing. My my buddy Gagne is actually up in Boston right now. We were talking about that because he got an Airbnb not far from the poorhouse, actually, because I was advising him on where to stay. He said, like, I need to get a private room. I was like, yeah, see, you got to do that. And for one, the hotels are so expensive up in Boston, it was more reasonable to get the Airbnb. Yeah. You know? Oh, totally. But it's like the shared ho- the shared room thing. It's like, I couldn't do that. I'm not I'm not that, at that point in my life where I can where I'd be comfortable doing that, you know? No, even even when I went ten years ago when I went uh through Europe and Scandinavia with Reardon, we stayed in hostels, but we stayed in in, in our own room. Yeah, I was reading about I was looking at something today. Oh, it was from the Wall Street Journal talking about going to Slovenia. Like, oh, if you want to go somewhere, go here, the coast of Slovenia, and not too many people there. Everything's reasonable. And they're like, they got the hotels, which are like one thirty a night for the really nice hotel. You can even go to the hostels, but they're not. They're only hostels in name alone. They're not dormitories. I was like, yeah, that's the way I, you know, I wouldn't want. I can't stay in the dormitory thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is great. This is great. Uh, Thirty-six bucks a night to stay. Uh, Forty-five bucks a night to stay. One and a half miles from Beale Street. There you go. Look at that. This is this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Forty bucks times three nights. You're booking now. I'll have to wait. I'll have to wait because uh, got a couple bounced rent checks that uh, I need to uh. I need to work through. Um, let's see. No parking. Cancellation. Twenty four hours. Sterling's home is located in Memphis, Tennessee, United States. It takes 11 to 17 minutes to drive to the airport. It takes 20 to 26 minutes to the municipal airport. If you don't have a car, you download Lyft or Uber. Uh, definitely the best way, cheapest way. Tons of reviews. Uh, five stars, five stars, four and a half stars, four and a half stars. Wow, this is great. Okay, well, we can save this for our... Um our budget traveling pod we're going to do to compliment the Craigslist stuff. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to um, you want to do anything else? Uh, you want to talk a little bit about Uber? Well, I can talk. I can talk about it real briefly, I guess. Yeah, because Uber's been it's in the been news months ago now. Yeah. So here's. You can you, say about why it's been in the news. Cause. You had said that you had some problems with Uber. Uh, you know, you had some issues, and you had a, you were you were ramping up for a big fight. And in my editorial wisdom, I decided that nobody wants to hear us bitch about about the things we bitch about, and they definitely don't want to hear us bitch about Uber because I would say the majority of our uh, of our devoted listeners are not uber friendly 
That'd be my guess. I mean, my guess. Not Uber friendly? Not Uber friendly because a lot of them, well, Fredo doesn't live here. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know BP will use Uber, but I think he's married. Fredo the- uses Viva Ba Uber. <laughs> <laughs> you get in the. You you get in the car and if you're slightly congested, they slather Vicks vapor <laughs> yes, rub all over yes. you and drive yeah. you around with the heat turned up to ninety eight degrees. While they play Mana. <laughs> this is Mana. <laughs> uh, so I just thought I just thought that uh, that the people who were waiting for great episodes to be released deserved more than to hear us just rail on Uber because we've been railing on everything lately. However, however, I was mistaken because now the thing to do is rail on Uber. Yeah, I saw some headline about how a guy had to step down because he made a sexist joke or something. So, here's Which the I was problem. like, man, shit's really petty if you can't even make a joke with, without having to completely give up your fucking job. Here's the problem with these, look further with, into it. with a lot of these uh, Silicon Valley startups and and um, and companies that have really just taken the world by storm, whether it's Uber or Airbnb. A lot of them are run by real pompous assholes, douchebags. <laughs> yes, total douchebags. A lot of them are run by bros. Who have come up with a great idea. All the dudes sitting around at the Golden State Warriors games. They have a great idea, but they want to make the idea bigger than the product. Right? Yeah, because they all just want to get the IPO. Get a billion dollars to cash out. And they're all about creating a lifestyle and creating a cult of their product and a cult of personality. This guy Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know oh you know. God, Colin! My Colin loves Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a douchebag. Yeah, Colin loves him because it's all about marketing and everything. Well, Colin sells real estate. That's why he loves him. Yeah, it's like all about pumping you up. Yes, right. You know, and it's back in the day. I forget. I don't know if it was Tony Robbins or another guy, but uh, Soap Tony was just, Robbins. Soap used to make fun of him because his the whole pitch was. You can make a million dollars by placing tiny classified ads in the newspaper. And, like, that's all he would tell you. The system was you, you place tiny classified ads. In the, and all you were doing was you were creating a pyramid scheme, whatever yeah. it was. And you didn't need to invest a lot. That was the whole point. But that's... I used to laugh about that, too. Like, my brother Chris. Like, you talk about that, like, you know... Put a little paper, put a little ad in the paper, and you put an ad in the paper that says, Want to know how to make a million dollars? Send five dollars to this address. Right. That's how you make the million dollars. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. Just like that. And then the other thing about Tony Robbins, because you remember those commercials they would have, the Tony Robbins commercials, and he'd be talking about friggin' all his businesses. It's like, Well, yeah, his 57 businesses, which are all some sort of motivational fucking poster company or some bullshit you know like it's all just it's none of them are real businesses actually making anything no no absolutely not yeah and that's 
that's what all these guys in Silicon Valley are all about. And Uber is the poster child for them because this guy uh, is a real douchebag. And on his watch, the company has started to crumble. The infrastructure uh, is solid. He's the one that was busted like on the video berating the Uber driver. Is that the same one? You remember a few months ago? I don't know if it was the actual CEO of Uber, but he was getting in a fight with an Uber driver about the rates they're getting, and the driver was bitching at him about something. Was the actual CEO? Do you know what I'm talking about? Apparently, no, 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 I don't. I don't. Okay, uh, it was something. It was on viral. He looked really bad. I think it might have been the actual CEO of Uber, and the guy was talking about him basically screwing over the drivers and whatnot. Well, yeah, so Travis Kalanick is, is the guy. He's the CEO. And while their technical infrastructure is super sound, their service is bullshit. Their service so, is awful. So not only their service to the cons- – their, cons- their, uh, sorry, I had something in my ear because I had an autoplay on this. But uh, so the service to the customers suck. But the service to the driver sucks even worse. Yeah. So they have this great technology. They have this great infrastructure, but they're not servicing the people who need to use that infrastructure. And as a as a driver, I didn't find it all that bad. But I didn't use it as my primary income. I used it for a couple extra bucks. Oh, you Uber, you were a driver for Uber. I didn't know that. Yeah, for a couple uh, for for a couple months, maybe a month and a half, two months. Because um, I like the concept. I like the idea. I like the the opportunity to monetize my own inventory. So I owned a car. Rather than have it sit there, let me go out and make some money on it. Now I know I there's a lot of guys driving that are doing that. You know. And I don't know who is making a living off of this. Because to be honest, one of the reasons I I ultimately stopped because New Jersey passed legislation that required drivers to jump through a bunch of hoops. And that was the opposite of what I wanted to do. The reason I liked it is because I downloaded an app. I could drive when I wanted to drive. I didn't have to register or get a license or, or tag my car or do whatever. Once New yeah. Jersey said you got to do it that, the taxi cab lobby got to him. Yes, I was off. <laughs> I was off Uber. Done. Yep. See you later. But um, the people who I don't know—they say they make a living off of it. I don't. I don't know how you got to work at least eighteen hours a day to make a living off of it because you're really only pulling in ten, twelve bucks in a place like Asbury Park, and that's a pretty. That's a that's a pretty solid ten twelve area. bucks an hour. Yeah. What do you get? Like, if it's a ten dollar ride, what would you get off of it? Eight eight bucks. Okay. So you gotta be hustling to yeah. make money off of it. Totally, totally. And you need to drive during real peak hours. So like, you know, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. Well, I didn't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, like when the surge pricing's up. Yeah. yeah. So I got off of it, but I didn't have a horrible, horrible experience with it as a driver. It was just okay. Um, but I've also s- kind of stopped using it as a as a passenger as well uh, for no other reason than, I don't know, the novelty's worn off a little bit. Yeah. 
And I'm, you know, I'm two blocks from a restaurant, or five blocks from a bar. I don't yeah, need it. You can it. walk. Yeah. I, I rarely used it to begin with because, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm just not out that much anymore, you know? Yeah. If I'm going to go eat somewhere where I can drive, I'll drive there. But uh, if I know I'm going to get hammered or whatever, I would take it, you know? Or I would get to where I'm going to be if it was easy just to get there by public transportation or if somebody gave me a ride or something or if I left my car. You know? Yeah. So, because, I mean, stuff gets kind of crazy if you start dropping 10, 15 bucks to get everywhere around town during the night, you know? Then the fucking getting around is more expensive than the going out at a certain point, you know? Totally. <laughs> Which is stupid to me. Uh, especially if you do it all alone. It'd be one thing, like, if you had a group of people, you know? Yeah. Where everybody can defray the cost, you know? But, um, yeah, the thing that really sucks about their service as a consumer is you can't actually get anybody on the fucking phone. And that was a big complaint of the drivers, is these drivers yeah. would just get automatically locked out and have nobody to talk to. Yep. And you know how hard it is to... It's way harder to handle disputes via text and email than it is actual conversation with somebody. Of course. Of course. You know, where you can... Where it doesn't have to all be piecemeal, where you can actually... You know, counter people's stuff instead of, oh, wait, now i got to wait like another 20 minutes to see if they respond, you know? Yeah. It's friggin' insane. Email so. is no way. If, you, if, if there is a issue that needs a resolution, a shared resolution in which there are objective and subjective, both objective and subjective components to the discussion. You cannot do that via email. It's impossible. Yeah. Because you need yep. empathy to come to a shared resolution. Yeah. If, if the issue is, I live in Asbury Park, I want an Uber, and I can't get an Uber, and Uber writes me back and says, I'm sorry, Uber is not licensed to operate in Asbury Park. End of story. Yeah. There's only one solution to that, and it's an objective solution. Everything else that has to do with customer service has both objective and subjective components, and you need empathy to get to a solution that will satisfy both the customer and the company. That's how you do business. Yep. Yeah, it's Uber ridiculous. fucking sucks. Ridiculous. Well, do you want to hear about my terrible experience I do. with Uber? I do. Okay. I hope you feel vindicated now. Yeah, I do feel vindicated. Um, Not in so your I, result in the fact that I thought that it's now worthy of uh, of podcast time. <laughs> uh, sure. So this was back in, um, this was in April. There's a thing called French Quarter Fest. You know, French Quarter Festival down in the French Quarter. Yep. And I drove there and then afterwards... Uh, Rob Georges was down there, so I went to go see him because he was in town with a bachelor party. Rob Georges, uh, former, uh, you know, Syracuse University alum. He lived, uh, I guess, 1107 Madison Street, I think it was, or maybe it was 1109. They lived across the street from us in a house, a big greenhouse, a bunch of those guys we were friends with. Um, so I drove down there, but then afterwards, uh, you know, I met Jordan down there, and he was down there with his wife and everything. But then afterwards, Jordan 
uh, and I, and then also Chris and Ryan and their buddy Brad, we all met uh, at this place called Bayou Beer Garden in mid city New Orleans, you know, not far, you know, maybe like a couple miles away from my house, you know? Okay. And, but when he got there, I was like, got to the point, I'm like, well, I can't drive home. So I just got an Uber, went home. I was like, I'll get my car the next day, you know? So the next morning, I get up, you know, it's like nine something after a shower and everything. And I hail the Uber and, uh, you know, I mean, I know you don't know how my house looks or whatever layout, but the door is like on the side, you know, like it's a side entrance. It's not right on the front of the house, but, but you come out in the streets right there, you know, like okay. it's, I don't live in a huge house, right? you know? So, you know, they send you these updates, you know, like. Such and such is arriving now. You know, your car, your driver's arriving now. It says it's going to be $7.44. So I literally walk out, never see the car. So I go stand on the sidewalk thinking like, oh, it's arriving. Like it must be coming down the street, you know. Never see it. And then you can track it, you know, where the, your car's going. Like while you're in the car, you can track where your car's going, you know. Right. On Uber app. So I'm looking at it. I was like, wait, what the fuck? It looks like it's gone all the way you know i was like oh maybe they lost it and and then it looks like it's gone away from my house i was like what the fuck's going on with this so i call up you know because it says contact the driver and it's like you can text the driver so uh first i think i might try to call i i think i might send a text like hey what's going on and i get back an auto response this isn't uh, sorry, we don't know who you're trying to text, you know? And then I, um, and then I try to call and then I'm getting like, oh, blah, blah, blah. This doesn't work. And it's like, so even though they give you the option to contact your driver, you can never contact your driver really. Cause it has, to, cause it goes to an Uber number or something, Okay, you know, to begin with. Yeah. So I started looking and I'm like, and it goes all the way to the destination. I was like. What the hell? <laughs> this is fucking crazy. It goes to where I was supposed to go, which, and no one's gone to this location this time of day. It's nine something morning by a bar mid city. Who would go over there? So I was like, well, all right. So I hail another one, uh, and the lady comes and picks me up. I'm talking to her. She's like, oh, that's no big deal. I'm sure they'll. She had just started driving for Uber. She's like, I'm sure they'll take care of it once they see it. I was like, yeah, I know, because I know I had to do it before where there was. Some kind of issue, and I need to request a refund, and it was no big deal because it was clear I didn't take the ride or whatever, you know? Right. So anyway, um, you know, later on, I, you know, I sent them the 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 customer service thing, and for one, fine, you can't call them, so I got to do all through that. And then there's no real uh, choice for you to explain your situation. Like you got to be pigeonholed into one of these auto categories, you know? So the one that was best as I could know was someone took my ride, you know? Okay. And then I explained them as best as I could. And they're like, Oh, we know you're frustrated, blah, blah, blah. But we're looking into this. I was like, well, this is the deal. I was like, this is crazy. I was like, I was out here. You know, I had to take another one. It's obvious. The same trip was taken twice from my house. And they respond the second time like, well, you know, maybe somebody else in your family took the ride. But, you know, we can't refund this. I'm like, are you fucking insane? 
I was like, I live alone. Who the hell else in my family would have taken the ride? You know? Right. And then they respond third time, like, we understand. And I'm like, I said, oh, and I was like, you know, because they said they weren't going to do anything. I was like, you're willing to, to friggin' lose a customer over $7.44? Because that's how much it was. It was nothing. You know? Absolutely. Which blew me away. I was like, you're willing to just say, fuck this customer over this piddling amount of money? Yeah. And then they, um, they said, we know you're frustrated, but we're closing this file. And we're not going to talk about this anymore. I was like, fuck this. So next day, on Monday, I went to office, and I got in front of my computer and just fucking disputed it with Chase. Because, and I and I, in the explanation of Chase, and I was, you know, they ask you all these questions when you do it. I've never disputed a transaction before, you know? Right. And I explained what happened, and I'm like, how they basically called me a liar, because that's what they were calling me. Yeah. You know, like, to say, you know. I mean, it was so offensive, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it pissed me off, you know. So the next couple of times I had to take anything, including this Saturday, when I went to the wedding, because I knew I was going to be gone down. So I took a lift, which is what I took a few times. And lift actually allows you to give a tip to the driver, you know, which is most of the drivers you deal with are either service or all right, you know. Yeah. But at least like, you know, like the kid that picked me up for lift on. On a Saturday night, he comes and he picks me up and he gets out, opens the door for me. He's like, you want to sit shotgun or in the back? I was like, I'll sit shotgun because it's weird to sit in the back of yeah. like somebody's car. You know, right. he's like, oh, you want to charge your phone? And he was, so I gave the guy like, you know, it was like a $9 ride. I gave him three bucks, you know, because it was like, fuck it, you know. Can you do that right on the app? Yeah, yeah. Like after the ride ends, because the one thing about it, they don't really tell you the price the way uber does okay so afterwards but you know it's gonna be about you know equivalent pricing with uber sure and you could not give him a tip if you want but you know give him a tip if the guy's cool you know yep and uh another thing is it kind of incentivizes the guys to like you know give provide better customer service totally you know since they're since they can work for a tip so um but it was, it was last week sometime that I got the card and the mail from Chase saying that they they waived the the charge and it's been resolved and I won. So so around five thirty in the morning, you know, I just wanted to get home where I was in a bar still from the wedding that I had gone to more than twelve hours earlier. Uh I just freaking took an Uber. But I, <laughs> Because I was like, fuck it. They don't have my money anymore. At least I won that battle. But the customer service is fucking awful, man. Yeah. And that's going to be the backlash, right? So there was a huge reliance on, you know, big box and, 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 and corporate America, right? Everybody wanted to go to Walmart. Everybody went to Target. Everybody... You know, shopped at, at the at the big box stores, and now they're starting to be a little bit of a resurgence in shopping local and in getting, um, you know, getting a little more local, whether it's food or product or experience, etc. The big thing about the 
about like the shared services community was it was novel that oh wow you know I don't have to sit in a smelly cab or I don't have to call and wait for a stupid dispatcher to get me a cab in 20 minutes I can monitor it it's transparent but if they're not going to give the service it doesn't matter that they are 180 degrees from you know from the corporate norm yeah because it's all about service Really, that's yep. that's what it's about. That's why the big box stores had the backlash that folks, yeah, that folks gave them is because you weren't getting personalized service. You weren't you you know they weren't resolving issues that their uh, you know that their their consumers were having. And yeah, that's the and only that's way the you're going to get if they're going to if they're going to be a billion dollar company or whatever they are now, they can at least afford to have a call center. Exactly. exactly. You know, because it would have been, it, A, I think it would have been resolved right there on the spot. If the person was on the phone, they wouldn't have said, no, screw you. You know, they would have been like, oh, all right, I understand. Because what I think really happened is, because I think it's kind of easy to do considering this is how they do it. I don't think the driver picked anybody up. You know? Yeah. No, I think that's the scam. I think that that yeah. happened. I've heard it happen, and it was on a, another podcast I listened to, Tony Kornheiser show. Um, they were He's stealing about, our material. Uh, they're stealing our material. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So, so because it's easier, you know, scams are easier to pull off when you do petty scams as opposed to a big scam. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like a seven dollar and forty four cent ride is easier to scam than a friggin' thirty dollar ride or something. You know. Yes. So I have a feeling because because I've taken Ubers before and you drove. You don't always pick somebody up right at the point where you sort of you because they'll call and be like, "Pick, uh, can you meet me over here?" You know. Yeah. So I think that's what happened. Uh, but it's been resolved. Uber customer service sucks, but whatever. If I find myself out at a bar at five a.m. again, and it's the most readily available service, I probably will take it. <laughs> ah, very good. Well, all's well that ends well. Yes, yes. Uh, very good, very good. Well, I'm glad we got to that. I'm glad we got to that. It was an ultimate. Yeah, finally. Tease. I know, friggin', you know, friggin' Fredo's been waiting with bated breath to hear that story. <laughs> I made the big mistake today, uh, and it's not a big mistake on my part. I think it's just a little unfair of me. Uh, there was a text going around. I don't know if you were on that text group. Uh, yeah, but the t- Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead. And so I, on a side. You know, the thing is, I just got, uh, today was the first day. I just bought a one of those activity trackers, you know, and it links to your phone to give oh, you yeah. the notifications. And it buzzes. And every two seconds for like 45 minutes, my hand was buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. I, um. <laughs> I had texted BP as an aside, not to not to add to that big long text message, but I said, "Hey, listen, yes. just a heads up. Um, speaking of the Grateful Dead, uh, the podcast did a whole segment about uh, Cornell '77. Um, <laughs> you and me driving up '81, the 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 I '81 corridor, listening to uh, Cornell '77 and the Crown Vic in the in the winter of '95." And no sooner did I send it, did I regret sending it, because now the poor guy is going to have to probably wait six weeks <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. before it comes out, you know? 
yeah. and all he wants to do is listen to the podcast, and we can't get a, we can't get episodes out fast enough. Brian's so. our most loyal listener. We just He's screw with him. So patient, and he always thinks yeah. it's his fault that he doesn't get the episodes. Yeah, I know. He's like, is my phone broken? <laughs> I feel so bad every time. You know, you'll text. <laughs> no, me. No, we're broken. You'll text me and be like, hey. You know, you want to you want a podcast today, you know, and I'm like, oh shit, thank God for live because I, I for, totally forgot I'm all wrapped up and whatever. But when BP texts, it really hurts me. <laughs> you know, because well, after when he when he texted that thing to us uh, a couple of weeks ago, asking, and I texted him on the side, I was like, dude, because you do all the production, so I was like, I, I was like, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to talk out of turn because it's all on you. You know, I was like, I was like, Sanders has a lot going on right now, man. Take it easy. On <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. I'm glad because that tells me it's worth doing. You know, I was I'll like, a- he's kind of busy. I didn't want to break that out because it's like, I know you got a lot of shit going on. That's why it is. No, and but I you know, my first reaction to that Mike Reardon text message, I was going to send it. I was like, oh, I'm not going to. Open a can of worms. When I when I open that text and see this huge long text, I want the I want the spun T L D R. You know what that means? <laughs> Too long, didn't read. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Freaking this guy sends out a freaking three paragraph text about a Grateful Dead documentary. <laughs> Oh, no, man. I appreciate the emails though, or the text messages. I got no. Email. I know. It's good to know they're out there. You know, I'll get and them. it's all the same chain. So I'm sure there's other people sometimes like that one was all right, but like, you know, it's the same chain with all the eleven and six people. So I'm sure it's like I'm like you know Shaggy and whomever who's like, um, oh uh, well, this has nothing to do with me, but this text. Chain's gonna keep blowing up on my phone for the next two hours. <laughs> like the one the other day with all the girls that were from y'all's class that go on a big trip. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> now, see, well, I find people out here don't know any of these women. <laughs> see, I find those uh, those type of messages oddly comforting because it's really it, it it's really the closest thing we've got to how life was when we were together. Yeah. Sometimes you had no choice but to be part of a conversation that you didn't want to be part yeah. of. No, I get you. Because you availed yourself to these to these knuckleheads, uh, that's that's what you I don't get me wrong, I still found it amusing and I still read the text, you know? <laughs> but it's like, but I have nothing to add to them. Well, right. You know? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes. But it's like, oh, all right. so I'm just, I'm, so it's like, I'm sort of like a fly on the wall in those cases, you know? The repartee, uh, you know, between Laffy and you and then him trying to get a response. Is that what you're talking about, Sanders? And then your delayed response because, yeah, you made some shot, but you didn't respond to the response to that till like three hours later because you were probably distracted with something else like work yeah yeah because that's how my texts work i text something and then i put it down and i'm done very rarely am i engaged in a very long text conversation but yeah so that we had that big long email and i shot out that that one-liner which after i sent it i'm like well wait a minute i don't know if anybody remembers that joke and then 
you're like, oh, do I follow up with the joke? Do I follow up the joke with uh, another text message? <laughs> and then you spend you spend a good three or four minutes uh, commiserating uh, yep. whether or not you made a right decision there. But it ends up uh, it ended up being fine. It ended up. Being oh, fine. by the way, just well, we can wrap up the show on this because my niece just came over here. Um, we're gonna go see Wonder Woman. Oh, all right, very good. Yeah. So, um, but uh, so I did send that Yalta conference picture to that guy that's in it. Yes, yes. Because, because the real reason I felt really guilt why I didn't want it because it was like I think it's so funny that's got to be offensive if it's that funny to me, <laughs> you know? Like I was achieving, I was getting so much humor out of it that's like this guy in somebody because i find it that funny right you know right. so anyway i sent it to him the other day i sent him a text message like on saturday or sunday because i was like screw it i'll just do it um i was like hey monty i was like you didn't tell me you were at the yalta conference and the, the response i'm expecting is like what are you talking about well, his last name is Lukov. He is, you know, his lineage is like Russian. Okay. You know, Yalta is Ukraine. You know, I'm expecting like, what? So then, so that will prompt me just to straight up send the picture, you know? I did this on Saturday. I was like, hey, Monty, you never told me you were at the Yalta conference. His response is, and this is my favorite thing because it was so sincere. He said, Great-grandparents came from Lukov with that conference moved from Poland to Soviet Union or vice versa. I can't remember. LLL. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. You know? Right. You've walked like, into a like, sincere... This guy's actually very interested in my family. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. You've, you've stumbled asked... into a, to a sincere conversation. Yes. So, I was like, well, I just got to send a picture. Uh, so, I send him a picture with... You know, with the line just says, it all makes sense now. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> He's just one my comrades. <laughs> I, was like, right. and I was like, nobody's feelings were hurt, and it sounded like it was appropriate. There you go. And it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So it all worked out. All happy. right. Then on that note, with apologies to Monty's grandparents. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, adios, Fredo. Right <laughs>